Sick of being upsold at gyms? My guy, you're currently a base member. For $90 more, I can upgrade you to our Shred membership. For $130 more, you'll be a swole member. And for just $300 more, you'll reach Sweat Platinum. At Planet Fitness, you'll get energy without the upsell. Never pushy, always free fitness training and equipment for every workout. It's fitness that fits your budget. Join Planet Fitness for just $1 down and $10 a month. Cancel anytime. Deal ends Friday, May 10th. See Home Club for details. This is a podcast from Minute Media. In the fall each year, we all congregate. The bounce all gathered at the church of Tilgate. The scriptures reading from the book of Monson. Our favorite verse, my God, of precious. Drunk and obnoxious, what children face. Ain't nothing finer in the land. Now the 3,000 of our best friends. It's Saturday in that thing. Welcome to the Saturday in Athens podcast. We're a Georgia Bulldogs show by dogs fans for dogs fans. I'm your host, Herschel Gurley, joined as always by my co-host, Boss Dog. And we are joined this week by our esteemed guest picker, Rennie Kern, DGD. Welcome back to the show, Rennie. Hey, man. Thanks so much for having me. So we had you uh, on in January earlier this year. Give everybody an update. Let everybody know uh, all the exciting things that you got going on right now. Yeah, I mean, uh, it's been the usual, just still trying to make plays in the business world and um, doing a lot of speaking, a lot of one-on-one coaching, all centered around leadership, team building, and performance. So working with a lot of companies right now, just going in, speaking to sales teams, speaking to their organization about their culture and about, you know, just helping their uh, em- uh, employees to produce at a higher level, improve their mindset, and uh, improve their overall leadership. And then doing the same thing for individuals one-on-one as well. So it's, it's been going well. And then just working on my nonprofit on my spare time, um, you know, working with a lot of uh, high schools. We, we were able to do some camps. Um, we're working on a mentoring program right now. And, of course, football, of course, with the, the Bulldogs doing great, man. I'm able to do some commentating every now and then um, here locally in Atlanta in different cities as well, just joining in as a guest commentator and giving my thoughts on the dogs like I'm doing right now, man. So it's been good. Oh, that's great to hear. I, I saw you had posted I can't, maybe last week uh, about seeing Ed Milet speak and getting to spend some time with him. I was, I was a little bit jealous, man. He's one of my favorites. He's, he's awesome uh, when, yeah, when he, he speaks. Is. He is. Yeah, he's a real deal, man. It was, it was cool. I went to a uh, – it was called Live to Lead. It's a, co- a conference that was put on by John Maxwell and his – company and um yeah. yeah they had some a lot, a lot of amazing leaders there including Ed Milet so it was definitely a, a god thing getting to meet him because I was not expecting that at all but he was a great guy real deal gave a powerful message man and, and um, really gave some nuggets that I can you know take with me for the rest of my life man so it was great yeah Ed's a former college baseball player and you know got a uh kind of centers his life and his mission around his faith as well. So I, I've always loved his message and yeah, he's fantastic. I'm so glad you got to do that. What a great experience. Well, first of all, man, we got to ask you, you're more invested, I guess, in this than me and boss even, because you know, you're an alum, you're, you're really, really attached to the program, former player. How yeah. awesome has it been for you to, to watch this season and to see this team do what they've done thus far? Yeah. I mean, it's been amazing, man, just to see, their growth and, you know, considering last year with everything 
going on, the craziness, the pandemic, and guys not even being able to have a full season, it's been extremely impressive to see how they've been able to bounce back and just have the level of success that they've had. I mean, I know it definitely wasn't easy, like, you know, for us now on the other side. I mean, I have an interesting perspective just being a former player, knowing how much work goes into having a season like that, man. It's not, it's definitely not just about talent and it's not just about making plays. Like you have to have a group of guys that like collectively believe in each other and uh, buy into like what the coaches is trying to put out on the field, man. And so for them to just do that, man, in the midst of being 18 and 21 year olds, that's not easy at all. It, it just requires like a certain mindset, man, a level of discipline, uh, level execution that doesn't just happen when you're on the field. It's it's happens long before you get out there. Like every day in practice, going hard, man, going hard in the classroom, going hard in the off season when nobody's on campus. Like there's a lot that goes into it. So I'm just proud of them, man, that, to see like how consistent they are. And you know, if it's not the challenges that you face, it's also the success. So now that they are experienced that success, uh, I'm even more proud of just the way that they're handling their success and, and continually just like improving even when they're, they're already doing good. I'm really interested to get your opinion on this. Kirby has obviously talked a lot in the off season and you've now heard the players reflect this message as well, but they've talked a lot about being connected and that the lesson for them of the 2020 season was the inability to be connected mattered a lot and that they wanted to really focus on that as a former player. Is that something that changes year to year? Are certain teams more connected than others, more invested in each other than others? Or is that something that's pretty uniform and us as outsiders are blowing up and making a bigger deal out of it than it really is? Yeah, no, I mean, it's definitely something that is pretty consistent throughout any team that you go on. I mean, you're going to spend a great deal of time with guys in a locker room. You, you know, you go through training camp, you, you fight so much with each other, man, and, and have so many amazing moments that you're going to be connected. But there are those special, you know, I, I call them those perfect storm moments, whether it's after like major adversity or after like a team loses somebody as a part of the team where they rally around like a, a specific mission or just something that's extremely special to them that really transcends just that normal connection that you would have on a team that really, really makes it special. Um, so that that's the difference, man, is when guys just like, you know, whether it's a perfect storm, they lose somebody or is after something um, major that happens or, you know, a, a group of guys like the seniors decide to come back. Um, what For whatever the case may be, you just have those groups, man, that it, it's just become something special, like the, the leadership, the chemistry, everything just comes together along with the talent, right, which we have. Uh, which which just creates this perfect storm that leads to to great things, and it's rare that that happens, right? Like we we had some super connected teams, some teams with great leaders, but it's like that special combination of leadership, connection, and talent. Man, that's that's when you have something really really special, and that's what you're seeing right now, man. It's like we not only have you know the talent and all that, we also have depth. <laughs> So it's like, yeah. regardless of who you have out on the field, man, everybody's just out there eating, and it's it's a really cool thing to see. Well, I know the season has done your heart good because the folks leading the charge are on the defensive side of the football. Um, it's just been a special thing to watch. And it seems to me they play really well as a unit. It doesn't really seem to matter who's in, where the rotation is. They all just seem to know where they're going to be and they feed off of each other. 
What have you seen and what has stuck out to you the most about this 2021 Georgia defense? Yeah, I mean, it really starts uh, – it started for me a couple years before this. I think Kirby's been really building this uh, culture and this mindset uh, for a while now, and it's really starting to become like their identity. And what I mean by that is like Kirby – uh, when I watch his defenses, there there isn't like one guy who's making all the plays. It, it was like that early on. Uh, you know, you had like your Roquan Smiths and, and guys like that who were making a lot of, of plays. But like as time went on, as the years uh, continued to progress, you started to see guys with lower stats. But it was like collectively as a group, everybody was making plays all across the field. So now it's like you really aren't. If you look at the stat sheet, you really aren't going to see like linebackers in the double digits, safeties in the double digits. It's going to be everybody contributing, man. Everybody's staying fresh, making plays like defensive line. They're able to rotate. And I think that's the biggest difference is like he's getting – he's able to get so much more out of his guys because of the fact that it's a defense by committee and everybody knows that they have an important role to play. And then you have that depth where it's like the next man up mentality where it's like everybody has to be on their P's and Q's. Every, everybody has to be learning everybody has to be competing because you know, you know, that you're going to get an opportunity, man. And so you can never get comfortable regardless of what, what position you're in on that defense right now. And I think it's just having that collective competition and, and just that level of depth, it just raises everybody's ability. One of the, the key pieces in that defense, and I don't just mean this from a talent perspective, but I also think from a leadership perspective has been the Kobe Dean. And I think you'll have keen insight on this. What separates him and makes him special uh, at that mic position? I mean, I think the biggest thing is just that consistency. You know, at, at a, that linebacker position, you have to be a consistent playmaker. You have to consistently be in the right position and, you know, taking the right angles, doing the right techniques, doing all the right things to make sure that you're making plays on a consistent basis. And that's how you earn that level of leadership and respect and, uh, you know, and of course, playing time. And he's been able to do that over time, even with uh, having a lot of great playmakers around him. You know, like you talk about the defensive line, uh, Monty Rice, who was with him, you know, so many other great linebackers who've come through. Like he's been able to maintain just because of his his level of consistency. And that's where it starts as a linebacker. You, you know, you, it's one of those things where you have to uh, have those instincts, but also you have to be able to get into the right rhythm. Because if you're making one play and the next play you're overrunning or you know, you're not in the right position. You're, you're not um, looking at the right keys and you're all over the place you can very easily uh, turn into something bad. But I think another uh, big thing, a big factor of why he's been able to maintain that level of consistency and, perform and performance is because of his D-line. You know, like <laughs> Jordan Davis is no joke. Like to have a guy like that that can take up two, three blockers on every play, every play that makes your job just lovely. I mean, uh, uh, I say it all the time, but a linebacker and a D-line is no different than a running back in his offensive line. It's the same type of dynamic. And so when you guys got when you got guys up front like that, man, that can protect you, man, it really opens things up for you to just be able to roam and run freely untouched. I'm so glad you said that because that was going to be my next question is, how much would College Rennie love to have lined up behind – Big 99 and Devontae Wyatt and Trayvon Walker and Jalen Carr. I mean, there's so many names that D-line just, I think, lets all those guys eat each week. Yeah, I mean, like like I said, it's it would have been a beautiful thing. Like, I definitely can't complain about D-line I had. I mean, I had uh, Geno Atkins and J. 
Justin Houston and a lot of really great players as well. But yeah, I mean, these guys now are just on a whole nother level across when you look at the talent just across the board and the depth, the level of depth. Like we probably we our, our first, you know, team defense was uh they all pretty much got an opportunity to play at the next level. But when you start talking about the second string, third string, it's, it's it was a drop off. But uh, these guys right now, I mean, they everybody it seems like is gonna have an opportunity from uh, Nolan Smith to you know Jordan to Jalen to uh, Adam Adamson, like they're all going to get get an opportunity and probably get it, get a couple of years as well too. Um, so yeah, it's it makes a huge huge difference, and you feel it, man, as a linebacker uh, when you have that that good solid defensive line in front of you because like I said, you're just untouched. You're able to, to run freely. You're able to get sideline to sideline, and so you're seeing you know uh, Channing out there making plays. Quay Walker's out there flying around, making plays, looking extra. I didn't even know these guys were that fast. <laughs> but it's like, <laughs> you know, and then it takes pressure off the defensive backs as well, which is something that we were worried about early on in the season because our DBs are really improving after losing, you know, Richard LeCount, Eric Stokes. Like, But it's like we're not even missing them, right, uh, those guys, because of the defensive line play once again because they're able to get pressure on that quarterback on a consistent basis. I mean, this was the first week where we really saw like an offense really move the ball. And I think they really are trying to be more strategic now, doing a lot of quick throws, getting it out to the perimeter because they just understand like you're not going to have time to really sit back there and, and um, go through your progressions. It's like by two and a half seconds, it's too late. And so, um, yeah, it, it really makes a, a huge difference for not only the linebackers, but the defensive backs as well. They, they've made them look really, really good. So when the, uh, Georgia home schedule was released this year. There was a collective groan from the fan base about who would be coming to play between the hedges. And that's kind of been flipped on its head this year, right? This will be the, the second essentially top 10 matchup. Kentucky sits right outside the top 10 at number 11. College game day going to be in town this week. SEC Nation going to be in town this week. From your experience when you were playing, what kind of challenges do you think Kentucky will present this week and what are some of your memories from the games that that you played against them in your career yeah I mean just like any SEC team man when, when you're you know uh, ranked high and um, you got a team like a Kentucky who's used to being doubted who used to being the underdog like you gotta know and expect that you're gonna get their best shot like everything that they can throw at you they're gonna throw at you and then add in the fact that it's also gonna be nationally televised right and that they're going against the number one team, you know, the Georgia, it's like these guys are not just um, playing for, for you know, what's at stake in the SEC, but also this has career implications down the line as far as, like, if you have aspirations to play at the next level, which every guy does, right, in the SEC, they, they want to uh, hear their name called, um, you know, on draft day and, and um, be able to have a, a solid NFL career. And it starts with games like this. These big games, do you show up? Are you the one that make, makes plays against – you know, the the guys who are top ranked, you know, if you're an offensive lineman in Kentucky, I'm then, you know, uh, making sure I go extra hard to make sure I'm ready to um, shut down a Jordan Davis because that's film that I can now use to justify why I should be drafted. So it's, it's just like so many other things riding on the line when you play a team like in Kentucky or South Carolina, um, you know, and normally where they would not necessarily go, they'll go as hard, but it's like, Everybody has now Georgia marked on their calendar. So they're just going to play. Their level of ability is going to be that much higher. 
than it normally would. And so um, I remember definitely playing against Kentucky. They had some some very, very talented teams. And it's like, even if they're not that good in terms of their record, you just know, like I said, they're going to go hard. They're going to try to put you on your back because that's film. And that's something that they can say, you know, 10 years later that, hey, I, I made this play against Georgia and I, I did this. A lot of them, honestly, man, when you look at these rosters, a lot of these, these guys on uh, Kentucky and South Carolina and, you know, Arkansas and all these teams, they were – they were uh, Georgia kids, a lot of them, and they won right. the University of Georgia. So it's like when they come to Athens, they got something to prove. And so, um, yeah, that's what I remember most about uh, playing those teams, you know, especially Kentucky, man. And they had a guy by the name of Randall Cobb when I played, man. Uh, Randall Cobb, um, who, uh, fullback, um, John Connor. I can't forget that name because, you know, uh, Terminator John Connor. <laughs> <laughs> Don Connor, yeah, the, the fullback, man. Those guys were – that was one of the best teams that I played against, that Kentucky team. And, um, you know, Randall's still playing now, with the, I think, with the Green Bay Packers. But, yeah, like those teams, if you give them confidence, as we saw this past weekend with Bama and Texas A&M, you give them confidence and you let them believe that they have a chance and it turns – all of a sudden it turns into a long day. How impressive is it to you what Mark Stoops has done there? Because this is – I mean – they haven't been 6-0 and before. I think this is the first time they've been 6-0 since 1950. So yeah. I'm not saying that. But he has turned Kentucky football in, and everybody in the country knows that's a basketball school, right. into a place where you got to go grind out a win. And they are in contention to go to a bowl and be there. And I don't know. I, I just I feel like he had to overcome a lot to get them in the spot that they're in now. I mean, what's your take on that? Yeah, no, it's extremely impressive, man. Anytime you're in the SEC, you can string together even a halfway productive season, you know, over 500. That's extremely impressive because we all know it's an arms race, man. Like everybody's competing recruiting wise. Everybody's com competing. And the, the margin of error is so small. When you look at those those big games, you know, Kentucky, Florida, um, South, you know, we all those rivalry games, which it seems like every week is a rivalry game when you're in the SEC. So to, to be able to do that, man, like I, I was talking about earlier with Georgia, like it doesn't just start in the season. Like it starts long before then, before the cameras, before, you know, any of the, the uh, game days or ESPN show up. Like you got to put that work in during the off offseason, uh, summertime in the heat, man. Um, and then, you know, even your staff, your weight training staff, your academic staff, like there's so many different components that people don't see that play a role and uh, that overall success, man. So for him to be able to do that in the short amount of time is extremely, extremely impressive. And and then even more so, it says a lot about his leadership for these guys to buy in the way that they have and be able to put that product out on the field. Yeah, I think they're going to present a really compelling matchup this weekend just because of the way they are currently built this season. Um, Boss and I talked about this uh, in our recap episode over the weekend, but it's, it's a lot of strength on strength. You know, they want to run the football. Their offensive line is good. They've been good in their front seven this year. And then obviously Georgia's defense is what it is. So I think it's going to make for, for an interesting matchup on Saturday. The number is a bit high, <laughs> um, but, but we'll see. And, and we'll, we'll talk about that a little more, but I, we want to talk to you about some other games coming up this weekend. Cause I know you're not just tuned into the dogs. You're tuned into college football as well. So we're going to have you pick some games with us against the spread for the weekend. And in all honesty, it's not a, not a super electric slate this week. Uh, I think Georgia is the only 
close to top 10 matchup, Georgia and Kentucky. And uh, maybe there's only one other ranked on rank matchup. And I think that's a barely, I think Texas squeezed into the, the back of the top 25 in the AP. So their game with Oklahoma state's a top 25 game, but um, still some interesting games nonetheless. And the one we want to start with you is, uh, and we we've started picking them each week just because we love coach Tucker so much. So we're going to pick the Michigan state and Indiana game. Coach Tucker's got Michigan state undefeated going to Indiana and they are three and a half point road favorites uh, against the Hoosiers. Who do you like in that one? Yeah, I like Michigan State. I think they've they've been uh, you know consistently showing themselves as a premier team, and they're they're making some noise. But I, I feel like um, yeah, they're gonna definitely be able to cover that. It's not gonna be easy, of course, which is which is, uh, what explains that spread. So, uh, and then they're they're uh, playing in Indiana's house. So I think early on, it's definitely gonna be a fight. But um, I see them pulling through for sure. You're tuned into leadership and mindset. Don't you feel that that Coach Tucker's one of the best at that, not just from his days in the, as an assistant at Alabama and at Georgia, but I just feel like the mindset he's got those kids playing with and the way he kind of affirms things is is on an elite level. Yeah, I, I haven't like studied him too much, but I, I know that is what is the edge, man, at that level, especially when you're, like I said before, dealing with 18 to 21-year-olds. Like You have to really create that competitive edge by – investing in their mindset by getting them to have that, even the language, right? That championship language, uh, using one-liners and trigger words and things like that. So, you know, coaches who are able to understand that and really invest in it and not just say, you know, uh, be mentally tough, but actually help guys like develop the strategies and the tools to build that. Like they're always successful. Like why, you know, when you look at Bama, when you look at Georgia and their consistent level of success, there's a reason why. And it's not just because of the weight room, and because they're doing speed and agility drills and because they're bringing in the right to coaches, like, nah, they do a lot of other things that um, people don't uh, necessarily uh, know about that uh, create that mental edge. And I, I feel like once you do that, man, especially for guys who are already talented, already have ability, it just takes things to another level. All right, boss, I think I know where you sit on this, but who you got in this one? Michigan State's been one of the more impressive teams this year. And that running back, I mean, uh, Walker, I think his name is, I mean, he's been lights out lately. I think they pull away early third quarter and this uh, turns into a kind of a route later on. I think it's close in the first half because it's in Indiana's house, but Indiana's not Indiana from last year. They're just not. So I think Michigan State rolls late. Yeah, I, I love where Coach Tucker has this team. They just seem to be bought in and. I think they are gunning to be undefeated uh, when that Michigan game comes calling, which will be a monster matchup. But, but I'm with y'all. I like the Spartans. I think Coach Tucker's got these guys playing great, and I think they will uh, take care of their business on the road to stay undefeated. All right, second game this week is another interesting one. Georgia's Peach Bowl opponent, who we've been picking a lot this year, Cincinnati, having a great year, coming off a massive win uh, over a Temple team led by former Georgia quarterback Dwan Mathis, has UCF. Uh, coming to their home field. And Cincinnati is a 20-and-a-half-point favorite. Who do you like in that one, Rennie? Yeah, I'm going to have to go with Cincinnati on that one. I think they, they're going to continue to build off that momentum that they've been building this year and uh, have some success. What do you think, boss? As I said last week, Cincinnati has to demolish teams to really get in the playoff when the discussion comes. And they're going to have to continue to do it at week in and week out because the next ranked team they play is SMU is if SMU stays undefeated. And let's face it, Gus is the coach at UCF. Uh, it's just 
doesn't impress me much. Cincinnati rolls. They're going to win by 35, 40. Completely reactionary pick. I took Juan <laughs> Mathis in the Owls last week <laughs> to, uh, to cover, what was the number, like 29 and a half, and they got an absolutely dump truck. So I will doubt Cincinnati no more. I'm going to take them to cover that number as well. But that's a completely reactionary pick from last week. Um, okay, I think this next game is compelling because of what happened on Saturday at the Red River Shootout. Um, I, I still, as of Monday morning when we're having this conversation, cannot believe Texas did not win that football game. Um, so how, how do they respond now? They, ha- they have a home game against an undefeated Oklahoma State team that has looked formidable, and they are a home favorite by six and a half. How do you think they respond after the disappointing end to the game uh, in Dallas last week, Renny? I mean, the leadership is definitely going to show here, right? Like when they, they, how in terms of how they are able to bounce back and then being at home, I think they're definitely going to have a chip on their shoulder to make sure that they get their shit back, you know, back selling the right way. And um, so I think they're going to bounce back. I think that this is an opportunity and, and a catalyst for them to really uh, showcase who they are in front of their home fans and get things uh, back steered in the right direction, like I said. What do you think, boss? How do you think they respond from that? I think Texas wins, but I think it's close. I'm really curious to see how Thompson's hand is because he didn't really look the same after he uh, hit his hand on the defensive lineman's helmet in the second half. He was a little off, but Oklahoma State's quarterback likes to throw it to the other team. So I I see it being close. I'm taking Oklahoma State to cover, but I I think Texas wins. It feels weird to say this because I feel like it's usually the opposite when we're talking about Oklahoma State, but... After watching Texas the last few weeks, I just don't know if Oklahoma State can score points and stay with them. Um, they don't seem as high-flying as you would generally expect from a Gundy-type team. Um, and so, I don't know. I, Texas has a lot of weapons. I do think that's a good point about the quarterback's hand because they obviously look different in the second half. And I do worry about their defense. But I, in some ways, I think Oklahoma making the quarterback switch put the defense on skates a little bit. I think you prepare all week for one guy and then you see somebody else and maybe you're not as locked in as you once were. So I don't know. I think I'm, I think I'm going to go with the Longhorns as well. I think they rebound this week. I think Sark's got them playing great offense. So I think they'll cover that number. Um, this is another interesting one. Another team coming off a heartbreak, Arkansas. Gosh, I mean, whale of a game with Ole Miss. That noon slate was unbelievable on Saturday. I mean, if you're a college football fan, the noon slate gave you all you wanted and more. And they make the choice to go for two after they score the touchdown to tie it, which Boss and I both loved. Go for that win, baby. Love that. Love Coach Pittman. Um, and they are getting Auburn in Fayetteville, and they are favored by three and a half. Who do you like in that one, Reddy? Yeah, I definitely think that's going to be another dogfight for sure. And uh, the key for Arkansas is will they be able to stop the run? Will they be able to stop Tank uh, Bigsby? Um, because I know their their offense, you know, is is – uh, able to get the job done for the most part. They got some some great wide receivers, and their quarterback's been playing pretty well uh, for the most part. And I think they're going to uh, learn from last week and not, you know, try to make those hard decisions. Uh, definitely think it's going to be close. It's going to be a dogfight. Auburn's quarterback's been really inconsistent, as we saw last week. He, he tries to do too much at times. So I think that might get them uh, in trouble and allow Arkansas to have the edge. What do you think, boss? Everyone who's ever listened to this show knows that I am not a Bo Nix fan at all. And <laughs> as long as he is the starter of Auburn, I will not pick Auburn. So, Arkansas. <laughs> yeah. I, 
I like Arkansas having the home field in this. I thought they uh, played well offensively last week. If you had told me that game was going to go like it did, that it was going to be a shootout like that, I would have told you Ole Miss was just going to dump truck them. So I was really impressed with how they hung going back and forth. Um, I was very, very surprised that Barry Odom's defense gave up 52 points. Uh, I think they will have an ax to grind this week. And I think, unfortunately, Bo Nix and the Auburn offense are going to be the ones that receive the brunt of that punishment. Uh, so I like Arkansas to rebound this week after two losses against two really tough opponents and get, get themselves back on track. I like the Razorbacks. Pig Suey. This is another one that <laughs> – interesting, right? Death Valley, not the Death Valley we're all used to, apparently. Auburn went in there and stole a win, and then LSU just got their doors blown off by Kentucky. And they've got a Florida team coming to town who I, – I don't know what Florida is. Rennie, we had Cole Wilcox on the show last week, and he said, other than the academies, Florida is the most one-dimensional school in the country. Uh-huh. <laughs> um, so Florida is a nine-and-a-half-point road favorite going into Death Valley. Who do you like in that one, Ray? Yeah, I think Florida gets the job done. Definitely, um, you know, not with the ease. I don't think it's going to be a blowout. Um, being that LSU is at home and, you know, they're, of course, going to be fighting this, just stay alive. But, um, yeah, I think uh, Florida's definitely going to pull through towards the end of the game. What you think on this one, boss? I hate myself for this pick, but I think LSU <laughs> has quit. I, I really do. I think Ogeron's on borrow time. I was surprised he wasn't fired this week, honestly. I don't think he survives the season. Florida, I think, is going to win, and I don't think it's going to be close. I, just, I they, they look so disinterested out there. They just – the players who can go look like they're thinking about Sundays, and the ones who are there that can't go on Sundays look like they're thinking about transferring. They just look like they don't care. I, in some ways, think Bo Nix and Auburn broke their spirit. I think if they hold on and win that game in Death Valley, I think they probably looked different last week, and maybe I feel differently about this. So, so I'm with you on that piece, and I'm also with you that – Boy, do I hate myself for this. It just it just doesn't feel right in my mouth. I don't even like saying it because um, anything that's associated with Florida just makes me feel like I'm throwing up a little bit in my mouth. But yes. I, I think I'm going to have to pick them too. I, I just think, I, yeah, I, I don't know who LSU is. What If, if somebody asks you, who, what's LSU's identity this year? I, I don't know what it is. And that's, that's weird to say about an LSU team where you know that roster is loaded top to bottom. Um, so yeah, I, I'm kind of with you, boss. I think they've just kind of thrown it in a little bit and that's sad to say, you know, <laughs> I mean, but it is what it is. I, I think Florida's going to win that ball game and set up a, a compelling matchup, uh, in the cocktail party in a couple weeks coming off, coming off a big win for them. All right. This is one where I think to Rennie's point, a team is going to have to manage what they just dealt with. Right. So A&M is coming off a monster win. Uh, Jimbo Fisher becoming the first Nick Saban assistant to, to beat him. Um, they were unranked. They were almost three touchdown underdogs. Monster win over Alabama. Now they got to go play Mizzou in Columbia at 11 a.m. Central time. And they're favored by eight and a half against the Mizzou team who has frankly looked pretty lost since they couldn't pull it out uh, against Boston College up in Chestnut Hill. So who do you like in this one, Rennie? Definitely like Texas A&M. I think they're going to continue to build on, you know, the success from last week uh, or from this past weekend and um, continue just building that confidence. I mean, that's the biggest thing that you saw last week. I mean, guys weren't just making plays, but they're, they're finishing the plays. They were 
going extra hard. They're doing what they need to do. And I think once you're able to put that out there and see what you're capable of and get the win, that just creates a whole new just mindset uh, collectively. So I, I expect them to win. How about you, boss? I have been unimpressed with Zach Calzada since he took over for Haynes King when he broke his foot until last week. And it wasn't the first half. It was the second half when things were tough. And he showed a lot of moxie and being able to lead them back to tie it up and then lead them on that that winning drive. And especially after what getting his ankle rolled on the tying touchdown and then still coming back out there and leading them. And I think that momentum and that confidence for him is going to lead them through the rest of the season. Right. And I think that realistically they could run the table. That defense is really talented and Mizzou, like you said, they look lost. I don't think this is going to be close 11 a.m. I mean, they could, they could pull another Tennessee. They could put up 62 on them if they wanted to. Um, I, I, know, I don't think Jimbo's that type of coach, but they really could if they wanted to. Yeah, I'm with y'all. I, I like Texas A&M in this. I think they are going to be riding a huge wave of momentum, and it's not going to be one of these where they're like kind of cashed out. I think to you, this is more of a galvanizing win because, look, they had high expectations coming into the year, and to have two conference losses already – um, and you got all the people going, man, Jimmy Sexton, the greatest agent in America, <laughs> got Jimbo that extension, and they're 0-2 in the conference. And so that, that's a monster win, and I'm with you. I think Calzada kind of gets the team behind him after that performance. That's his ball club now, and I think they'll go into Columbia and take care of business. Uh, this matchup would have been much more compelling if BYU had taken care of their business against Boise State last week, <laughs> but they did not. Um, but still, good football team. Um, good enough where prior to the Boise State game, College Game Day was doing segments on them about will they sneak into the playoff and who gets in if them and Cincinnati are undefeated. So they're going to Waco to play Baylor. Baylor, who's also having a good year, five-and-a-half-point home favorite. Who do you like in that one, Rennie? Going to go with Baylor. Don't got many comments on them because I haven't watched much uh, Baylor football, but, yeah, I'm going to go with Baylor. <laughs> what you think, boss? You think, that, you think BYU can go down there and get it done or you like, you like the Bears? I think it's close. I think BYU covers it. I think Baylor wins. I love what Aranda's doing there. I really do. After we picked this game, a Baylor game a couple weeks ago, I've actually started paying attention to them. So because I got burned on that, I love what they're doing there. I love what he's done there. He's made them very, he's turned that defense really into what he did there at LSU. And the defense is nasty, but I still think BYU has enough to keep it close because the offense really isn't a Baylor offense that you expect. They're not that high flying, you know, put up a ton of points like they are that we're used to for the, from them. I think I'm going to roll with the bears. I think I'll take the bears to cover this. I um, think BYU got exposed a little bit in that Boise state game. Um, I think their schedule had been a little light until that point. Um, and I think Baylor is doing well. And to your point, I think David Randolph's got them playing tough defense and I don't know, man, I, I just think defense is something you kind of hang your hat on. So I'm going to take the bears in this one too. Okay, another rebound game. Alabama got to go to Starkville, deal with all them cowbells, uh, play Mississippi State and Coach Leach and that wild offense. Um, they're favored by 17 and a half coming off that loss. Who do you, who you liking that one, Rennie? Yeah, I definitely think Bama's going to uh, come out, you know, strong after that loss and uh, really take out their frustrations on Mississippi State. I, I really expect to see them kind of on like a new mission and, and really try to get back to that standard that they had at the beginning of the season and what we're used to. What you think, boss? I feel sorry for the pirate ship this week. I really do. I love Mike Leach, but they're going to, they're in for a rough week. They really are. Alabama is going to try to 
assert dominance early and get up big and then just go after Will Rogers. So I can tell you, I can, I can tell you boys this, there's a lot of places I wouldn't want to be this week, but number one on that list is Tuscaloosa inside the football facility. Those, those boys are in for a week this week and they are going to let it all out against Mississippi state. I think they cover this and it is, it is a long day to be a Bulldog fan from the West this week because uh, the Crimson Tide are coming for some vengeance. Um, okay, Ole Miss coming off a really exciting win against Arkansas. Matt Corral looked good. They dropped half a hundred. Uh, Tennessee just blew the doors off South Carolina and has discovered an offense here the last two weeks that hadn't been seen in Knoxville in a decade probably. Uh, Ole Miss is favored by three and a half going to see that vile Navy. Who do you like in this one, Rennie? Yeah, I like Ole Miss. I think they're definitely going to get the job done. They've been developing their identity over these last couple of weeks and, and putting together, like you said, a solid effort offensively. So I think they're, they're definitely going to win and um, believe they're going to cover that spread. Other than the over, boss, what do you like in this one? <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> okay. The narrative for Georgia all season is, is that Georgia hasn't played anybody. Well, Tennessee's put up all these points against, but who have they played? Who has Tennessee put these points up against? Missouri and South Carolina. I don't know who Tennessee is yet. Mississippi really can't stop anybody, but nobody can stop Mississippi other than Bama so far. I think Mississippi's going to score at will and stop them just enough, and three and a half's not a lot. So I was expecting the spread to be much higher. I think Mississippi wins really with ease, and Tennessee's trying to play catch-up all game. Yeah. Yeah, I'm with y'all. I, I like Ole Miss to cover this. I think that that offense is real. I think Matt Corral is real. And I think if you're a defense, oh, he's got to be terrible to prepare for. And in all honesty, you know, that Bama game, the score doesn't tell the whole story, right? I mean, Lane goes for, what, three-fourths downs in the first quarter, and they're behind the eight ball before they even really have a shot. It's 21 nothing. Well, ball game's over then. But, I mean, I still thought he looked good and played a pretty good ball game. So, yeah, I, I, I don't think – I think it's all gas, no breaks for Ole Miss this week. I think they are going to hurt Vile Nation's heart all week long. So, yeah, I'm with y'all. All right, this is the one. This is why we're here. Big game this weekend, number one versus number 11. Uh, the surprising Kentucky Wildcats coming between the hedges, and the dogs are favored by 21 and a half. Who do you like in this one, Ray? Definitely like the dogs. I mean, you know, I, I really believe, you know, regardless of who we have out there, JP Daniels, Mailman, We'll be able to get uh, get the job done. I think it's going to be a close uh, game for probably the first half. Uh, with uh, Kentucky coming in there with a chip on their shoulder, I feel like the ball, the dogs will definitely pull away uh, with that similar rushing attack that we had last week. And um, yeah, we got we're starting to get slowly get those uh, playmakers back as well. Darnell Washington and you know Tyke Smith and and all these guys are slowly getting back to, to game form. So yeah, I expect us to continue on with our level of dominance in uh, being elite. I want to ask you about this, Rennie, about the, the dog's offense, because yeah. they obviously haven't had a lot of their weapons, right? Right. And what have you seen from the defensive mindset that Coach Munkin is doing to put the guys that are out there in positions to win and positions to succeed? Yeah, I mean, it's really about that combination and not just Munkin, but, you know, Munkin and, and um, you know, the mailman, uh, just his level of maturity and poise and the fact that like whether it's like regardless of if you have him in there 
or JT, like he's uh, Monk is able to open up the playbook so much. Like uh, that's that's the the biggest thing that I see is just who you have under that command. The fact that we have so many different tools. You got Brock Bowers. You got Lab McConkey. You know these guys who weren't even we weren't even really expecting to be contributors. Who now adds to the dynamics of like all the talent we already have. Um, and then you you now have um, you know just uh, you know we got the the forehead monster with with uh, the bass we got cook we got just so many tools and weapons to work with like you can cook alone you can put them out you know spit them out wide put them in the backfield like you really don't know what you're gonna get defensively and that's the most frustrating thing because you're chasing down a, a run play you're trying to stop Zeus next play you're trying to stop you know stop uh, uh, McCon- I mean McConkey. Next play is Brock Bowers. He, he creates mismatches. Now you got Darnell, um, Washington. So it's it's a very, very hard offense to really game plan against because we're so balanced. And then you add in Sessions, uh, the fact that he can run the ball as well, too. So you got to account for him. So there's just so many uh, different dynamics to our offense, which I, I know if I'm Todd, uh, you know, uh, the offense coordinator, man, I'm, I'm just like a kid in the candy store because you really <laughs> can do whatever you want. Okay, take me inside the film room real quick. And yeah. your linebacker's coach sits you down and he pulls up the film and he says, okay, Rennie, you, you got zero this week. You're going to have to man him in pass coverage <laughs> and you're going to have to shed him to get the running back. <laughs> how are you, how you feeling about that? <laughs> I mean, for me, I'm, I'm a heart, man, so I'm going to give him everything I got. But in the back of my mind, I'll be like, man, that's a big ass. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I'm, getting, I'm definitely getting some Actually, it sets in the weight room. I'm getting as much as I can on the bench press and like squatting as much as I can going into that game. Because I don't, yeah, he he is a grown man. That dude is, I don't know. He he looks like he was created in a lab for real. You got him. Yeah. I can imagine like taking him on and then like Zeus running right behind him. I mean, that's that's intimidating for sure. And just you may may do well for that first half, like I said, but then over time that thing just that wears you down. You know, you got so many guys, like I said, like him, Zeus. You got to chase Cook. You got to chase, you know, Brock Bowers on the next play. Then, uh, you know, there's there's even guys who we haven't really targeted that much who were um, targets for us, major targets for us last year. Burton, you know, you haven't heard his name a lot. Um, but, yeah, we, it, it's just, yeah, that's a tough one. Genetically, it's just not fair that a right. man could be that grown and that fast and then he almost makes catch of the year on the sideline in the Auburn game, just one hand in it. So, like, to have all those things and the hand-eye coordination, man, that just – that ain't fair. That's just he, – yeah. he hit the genetic – I mean, he is – we saw him at the Clemson game, and, like, we had seen him right. last season. And, look, he was otherworldly big last year. Right. But he, wa- he walked out for the Clemson game, and we all just kind of looked at each other like, are you kidding me right now? Yeah, like, right. <laughs> they're always going to win the walk-off-the-bus game. I'm just going to oh, tell yeah. you that. <laughs> yeah, yeah, no, no doubt about that. No doubt about that. That's one thing. Kirby is like changed Georgia in that way, in the biggest way, just like that eye test. I mean, you got some monsters there now. I mean, between Jordan Davis and Darnell and, you know, some, some of the other guys, man, it's, even the DBs. I mean, we're, we, we never really had consistently tall, like just huge DBs. And now, you know, that's kind of become a staple. All right, boss, what you think on this? How you feel about that number? Did it make you nervous at all, or you think they're blowing that away? It made me nervous yesterday when we were talking about this on our recap episode. The more and more I thought about it, though, the strength on strength, I'm going to go with Georgia's strength beating Kentucky's strength. 
And I think I agree with Rennie. I think it's going to be close early. And I think Georgia does what they do and they wear down people with their depth and they pull away. I don't think it's going to be like really close, but I could see it being like a, you know, 10 point game at halftime. And then they pull away late. I don't see a 14, three game like it was last season. I don't see it being close like that. And though that being the final score, but I can't see Kentucky scoring, you know, 24, 27 points on this defense. And I can see Georgia still scoring 35 on Kentucky. That's, that's where I, I come with it. So I think Georgia covers. Yeah. So that's the rub for me, right? Kentucky has to run the football. If they don't run the football, they can't win. Guess what, America? Ain't nobody running the football against this Georgia defense. So if you're telling me the proposition is Will Levis has to beat the Georgia Bulldogs defense, mm-mm, that ain't happening. I'm sorry. He's a good player, and they have done very well. I like a lot of their weapons. I think that Christopher Rodriguez is a weapon in the backfield. Uh, what's, the, what's the guy that plays out wide? Wandale Robinson? Yeah, Wandale Robinson. That kid can play, man. I mean, they have a good football team, and Coach Stoops does a fantastic job there. They just they ain't seen nothing like this roster. I'm sorry. They just, they're not going to be able to do it. I'm with y'all, though. I think it will be tight early because Kentucky's going to be able to control some clock based on what they do offensively. But I think the dogs pull away late. I think this is something, too, that has been a theme of, of Kirby's tenure as head coach. Not just this year, but but all the way through. I, I I would love to see some numbers around this. You and I, boss, are not smart enough to do this, but I would love to see somebody put some numbers around who has been a better third quarter team in the United States of America than the Georgia Bulldogs since Kirby Smart took over as head coach. I don't think there's any team better that comes out any better prepared making halftime adjustments to then combat what the other team had come in and planned to do. And I think that will be the difference maker this week, too. I think the dogs have a really, really big third quarter and kind of run away with it uh, as the game is, is going on. So, yeah. well, look, Ronnie, I'm going to be honest with you, man. I hope you have a fantastic week, not only because we want you to win, but because if you have a good week, me and Boss are going to have a good week. <laughs> <All right. laughs> so, yeah, you're fighting for the 10, the, the 10 pounds of red, man. We want that, we want that title belt residing in, in the house with you. So... <clears throat> Definitely, man. Well, I appreciate well, you having me on, man. It's been awesome. Yeah, we appreciate you, Rennie. Tell everybody who's listening how they can follow and support you. Yeah, so the uh, best way or easiest way to support is just by going on my website, RennieKern.com. And then I'm also uh, on Instagram, Facebook, LinkedIn, all that good stuff. So I'll just at Rennie Curran. And yeah, love to connect. All right, well, we will link all of that in our show notes. And, Rennie, thank you so much for being so gracious with your time today and hanging out with us. And uh, go dogs! Yes, sir. Go dogs. Appreciate y'all. Hey, George is better now. of being upsold at gyms my guy you're currently a base member for 90 dollars more i can upgrade you to our shred membership for 130 more you'll be a swole member and for just 300 more you'll reach sweat platinum at planet fitness you'll get energy without the upsell never pushy always free fitness training and equipment for every workout it's fitness that fits your budget join planet fitness for just one dollar down and ten dollars a month cancel anytime deal ends friday may 10th see home club for details